Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Get more comfortable being uncomfortable. DNI TBD. Adweek's podcast on diversity, inclusion, equality, and equity. An audio magazine featuring storytelling, insight, and advice to take the conversation to action. Search Adweek DNI TBD online or go to adweek.com. Yes, it uh, it is. It is Groundhog Day. Every day's every day's Groundhog Day. And you are listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast. I'm David Greiner, the creative and innovation editor with Adweek, and that of course is from Jeep's ad uh, for the quarantine era, which they have revived from their excellent Super Bowl ad with Bill Murray. Very creative reuse and very Enjoyable, unrelatable. Uh, I'm Ko Im, your department's editor and co-host, and we are joined this day, whatever day it is, <laughs> uh, with our audience editor, Jess Ferris and David Cohen, who runs Adweek Social Pro Daily. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hi, thank you. Hey, I, I feel like now's a good time to point out, to give a hint about the theme of uh, today's conversation, is that these are our two brightest minds in social media that we could possibly muster here. Jess, of course, runs our social uh, here at Adweek, and David Cohen writes about social and edits about social every day on the platform side. So this is a VIP social media crowd we got together here. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are in the thick of it every day. Um, And David, you have been writing a ton of blogs and stories um, because the social media platforms have been busy trying to pivot Um, during the pandemic. So what I want to start with is Instagram and about, um, you know, the various sticker features that have not only been added throughout the years, but also right now to help with certain industries that are struggling. So what's one that's um, been helping the restaurant industry? Well, they've had the ability for a while for individual users to add stickers to their stories and, um, raise money for nonprofits. And what they've done is they've extended that technology to 
restaurants in particular, small businesses in general, who can now add stickers to their stories. And in the case of restaurants, they can um, take orders if they're still doing curbside pickup and delivery. They can sell gift cards, which which users can get basically through about one click or two clicks. And it's a very easy process. Or if there's an existing fundraiser for that business already, they can donate to the fundraiser through the sticker. So they've made the process really easy and uh, users will be used to it if they've used stickers and the business, it's easy on the business side too, and hopefully helps keep some of these guys afloat while they're uh, not in normal business processes and compromised by everything going on. Yeah, and and seems like users are taking to this kind of easy way to get involved. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of activity on social media. I don't know about you guys, um, Jess and Griner. Have you, um, Griner, been kind of tuning into any live content on Instagram? I see a lot of, you know, brands and also um, influencers just going live. It feels like all the time. You know, that's a that's a really good question because yeah i think i've i've never been a big fan of instagram live as an experience um it feels a bit uh i don't know the best word for it It feels a bit like not intrusive but like like how visibly you drop in so if let's say it's a friend and your friend goes live and you want to check it out to support them um but then it's kind of obvious like how you've like dropped in late and (laughs) and then you kind of vanish and they kind of awkwardly have to acknowledge that you're there. It's just a strange live experience. So I've definitely been tuning into a lot of live uh, content over the last few weeks across multiple platforms, uh, including Quick Plug for Adweek Together, which is our daily live show at noon Eastern uh, on platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook. But, but, you know, I don't know. The Instagram live format, it's like you, you, you check your feed now and there's 30 of your friends are live and every celebrity's live and uh, politicians are live with other people. Like, like Jess, what's your, what's your take on the, the Instagram live experience? I would say the majority of them are a little frivolous, but the ones that I appreciate tend to be the ones that are more topical and focused. Like um, National Geographic is using it to share perspectives on the crisis right now. And then um, there are some fun ones too. I, I think we ran a story yesterday on uh, how Jägermeister is hosting an Instagram live charity brunch. And I think it's a platform where you can get really creative if you do it right. And it can be a great force for good when we're all uh, as distant as we are. Um, but for the most part, I think a lot of it's going to get lost in the noise. Yeah. And speaking of Ad Week Together, um, the repurposing of that live content um, sometimes seems to do well, right, Jess? That's right. Yeah, we um, after we I think we have about seven thousand to ten thousand daily live viewers across all our platforms. Um, but then we'll also upload that to um, Instagram TV, um, IGTV, and then we get another two thousand to four thousand who watch it after the fact. And I know there are additional people who watch our live show on the actual website as well. So that's nice that people can tune into it after the fact as well. Yeah, so you can tune in, but you can also tune out um, whether you are off social media platforms because it's just too much or um, Facebook, um, David Cohen, uh, they made it simple for us to kind of just turn them off. Um, So what is Facebook actually, you know, telling advertisers who might be putting money behind lives or other content about, you know, thinking about engagement and views and measurement strategies? Um, I mean, one of the main things that they're telling people is that 
you've got to keep things a little bit simpler than you would in normal times. And obviously you have to keep the, uh, the circumstances in mind and adjust your tone accordingly. But uh, they're really suggesting that you rely even more so on on the testing options that they have where you can test a couple of versions of an ad and see what's clicking more. And um, obviously it ver- as, as it does under normal circumstances, it varies by industry. So some industries are, they pointed out that, that gaming is soaring because people are stuck at home and playing games. So uh, it's a, it's a good, not that it's a good time, but economically it's a good time for them, but they're, they're basically saying that, um, the, the stuff that normally works may not work because of every because of the whole situation. So they're, they're saying keep it simple. Don't make any dramatic changes. Don't see a big decline and, and overreact to it. Don't see a big spike and overreact to it. And just really try to keep a handle on what you're doing. I'm curious, David, to talk briefly about TikTok. We, we, like, there's so much about TikTok, and it was already blowing up as kind of one of the platforms you were covering the most on Social Pro Daily before all this happened. Right. But but you and I haven't gotten a chance to talk really one-on-one or, or Jess even about. And Jess, I, we need to get you to talk about your TikTok experience um, because you are becoming a, um, a content influencer as well. Uh, but... I feel like this is just like a dream era for TikTok, right? Like this platform that already was thriving by the nature of people creating content in their bedrooms, in their kitchens, like in their houses, because it was largely teens who really couldn't get out anyway. And then, man, it just seems like a platform made for the quarantine era. Yeah, and um, it would probably be an even bigger dream era for them if their advertising platform was further along. There, There's not a lot of ad options on TikTok, on TikTok right now, but... Uh, one of the things that I've found a lot is uh, some of the athletes stuff on TikTok has been fantastic while they've been in quarantine because obviously they can't train the way they normally train and they're not playing games and not interacting with their teammates. So they're showing a lot of signs of what their home life is like, how they're adapting, what they're doing to stay in shape, what they're doing to stay sane. And it's it gives you, a, a, I think, a lot better look at their actual personalities and lives than some of the other social platforms do. Yeah, Jess, not to put you on the spot, but could you tell us about your own kind of TikTok content creation experience? Absolutely. So um, I've been writing about etymology just in my spare time for like 10 years, and I wrote a book about it uh, relatively recently. So I started making TikTok videos recently with like minute long explanations of word origins. Um, and I was surprised that they blew up fairly immediately. As long as I post one every one to three days, it gets increasingly bigger. So I, I started about a week and a half ago and I already have 2,300 followers. Um, and, and they're just, you know, fun little quick hits on, on word facts. Like, um, my most popular video is on, um, unpaired words. Like the word whelm, um, is usually not found without overwhelm or underwhelm. Um, and the origin of that and what it means. So um, the the trick now is translating that success to the Adweek TikTok channels. Um, we've done a couple of things like the Washington Post with success here and there, but I think there's a lot of potential to be had by highlighting creative campaigns and uh, trying some testing there that started to see a bit of an uptick. That's so cool. And I love the idea that like this is really a time to experiment and get creative. Um, but I think, you know, what your organic growth from your etymology TikTok shows, Jess, is that, you know, people like 
unique perspectives and information. I mean, like, what are we seeing with, you know, people on our, across our sites? Like, what are people interested in reading about and what kind of stuff are they like, are we getting burned out by coronavirus content, for example? So in general, it strikes me that despite the ongoing developments and maybe perhaps due to the fact that the days seem to blend together somewhat, people have settled into a routine and they're looking for community, conversation and connection in this time when we're forced to be apart. Uh, There was this one study that Patrick Culp, our emerging tech reporter, wrote about on our site um, that said that social media users almost went through the emotional stages of grief as their as their lives were disrupted. So now it seems that we've settled into that acceptance stage, acknowledging that we have to deal with this for the foreseeable future and we'll need to find ways forward. So early on, people were ravenous for information about how the pandemic was progressing, how it was upsetting daily life. And they would even call us out on Twitter for reporting anything except about the pandemic. So now our audience seems to respond to and engage with content that reflects creativity, positivity, professional development, and fun diversions rather than that hard news. And um, I've been leaning into that as much as, as much as possible as well with like memes and quizzes and questions and conversations. Um, our uh, weekly ad week chat on uh, Wednesdays at, at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern is a lot of fun and people are really engaging with that. I'd say um, participation is up by like 15 to 20 percent and people are really um, bringing some important and uh, awesome insights to the table. Yeah, I think I think there's an important point there too for for folks who have been making content and maybe one specific platform. Like I, I am sad to report, this podcast uh, is like being listened to a lot less now because we have a very commuter driven uh, audience, and so a lot of people have been messaging us for years that this is the podcast they listen to on their Monday morning commute or on their Monday ride home, and we don't have that anymore. And so our traffic is down kind of consistently, or our listenership is down consistently with the rest of the podcast industry, especially. Being to be uh, podcasts are just down. And, uh, you know, and I find that even personally, and this is, I don't take any offense from this because I'm doing the same thing, right? Like, uh, I don't personally listen to as many podcasts as I did uh, kind of in the in the world before. I'm trying to support those podcasters as best I can um, through, you know, things like giving them reviews and giving them love. Uh, but it, to your point about uh, Adweek Chat is something we've been doing on Twitter for oof, maybe five years now, six years, a long time. And, you know, engagement had been pretty flat because it, and very active, uh, really active crowd. Um, but, you know, it just goes to show that just because – one lever is going down uh, doesn't mean that you can't refocus those efforts into, you know, into other channels where people are spending more time. Yeah. And everything's being totally reframed. I mean, I wasn't that much of a podcast listener. I did not commute like in a car or a subway to work. I walked to work before, uh, which I was very fortunate about. But the other day I did, did listen to a podcast while I had a mask on and was, you know, doing my grocery shopping. So it's going to be interesting to continue to watch how behaviors and the the content, the subject matter that that changes. Um, David, I want to bring up a, a fun thing that um, you wrote up about Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, you know, before uh, David Cohen wrote about how he had like this exclusive three part interview on Good Luck America. Um, and then recently, an agency made um, the doctor into a fun kind of creative art project. 
Yeah, the, this is, you know, I think Dr. Fauci, as, as most people know, you know, he's been at this for decades. Um, he has served some ridiculous number of presidents as kind of their head uh, immunologist. Uh, I, I would just give as a quick uh, shout out, speaking of which, to a, to another podcast. If you want a really fascinating, maybe maybe too unnerving of a listen, uh, but there is a fantastic uh, podcast called Science Versus, uh, which you may have heard of with Wendy Zuckerman. And uh, they did, like months before all this happened, they did an entire episode about a global pandemic, like how it was bound to happen. It was going to be flu-like. And I think they even said it might be a coronavirus. And they did a basically kind of a War of the Worlds style fictional podcast about a pandemic breaking out in the United States, well, reaching the United States, a global pandemic. And they interviewed uh, Anthony Fauci for that uh, episode. And then they also interviewed him after the fact and asked him, how, how, how did we do? You know, how did we how close were we? And I'll never forget because this is again, this is before the coronavirus broke out, uh, the the one that we know of, you know, the co- that causes COVID-19. And Fauci said in that interview, uh, you did really good. Um, I really am glad that you pointed out in your depiction, your dramatization of the pandemic that there weren't enough respirators. And he said like that. That will be one of the biggest issues if this comes to is lack of lack of medical equipment, lack of respirators. And I remember listening to that and just thinking like, man, what a dystopian future sci fi scenario this is. And then here we are. And uh, and so, you know, Fauci, I think for some people who had been paying attention, was already this kind of really fascinating and informative figure. He has since become. I would argue unnecessarily polarizing. Like I think he is just trying to do his part to keep people safe and some who would rather see businesses open uh, versus people being socially distant have kind of targeted him. Uh, There's a certain conspiratorial wing of the internet that especially doesn't like him. And so because of that, the agency BSSP uh, created Fauci art on, um, on Instagram. It's just F A U C I A R T. And it's just a collection of Anthony Fauci fan art, uh, from from actual legitimate artists uh, who have turned him into everything from like uh, these kind of holy depictions where he has like a halo and then there's somewhere he's like he is Andre the Giant in the Shepherd Fairy work, you know, he's like there. But their whole point was that they wanted to create an outlet in social media for artists who don't have any place to put their art anyway to show off their own art and to, you know, show a political message in support of someone that they feel is is maybe in a in a risky position. Uh, and David and Jess, it seems like he's he, that Fauci has really become like this intensely central public figure in social media. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised about the Snapchat show because um, you would you would think he'd be making the rounds on you know, national TV. And he, I know he did a Facebook live with Mark Zuckerberg and, and uh, Priscilla Chan. But uh, you think of Snapchat as more entertainment-ish. And, and even though they do have a lot of news shows on their originals, and um, I did not think he'd be doing a, a three-parter with Snapchat, but he, you know, it was it was well done. It was uh, informative. And uh, why not? That's, you go where the people are. And so many people are on Snapchat. So, it surprised me, but I think it worked out well. I think people of all ages are hungry for, well, for obvious reasons, for um, clarity, coherency, and straightforward information in this time where no one knows what's going to happen next. And clearly, we're not getting that from everyone in leadership. So um, Fauci mm-hmm. has become kind of the voice of reason here. Yeah, and Andrew Cuomo. And it's interesting seeing this kind of rise of 
of new, uh, you know, of new of new celebrity figures, especially someone like Cuomo, who was not like roundly beloved uh, a year ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, these reputations uh, have, are changing pretty dramatically. I did want to um, not to kind of derail from pandemic necessarily discussions, but while we're on Snap, uh David, can you give us kind of a big picture view of where Snapchat is, where Snap Inc. is right now? Because I do feel I see this a lot where we run all these news stories about their growth and their big hires and how they are really kind of getting the second wind. But then you hear anecdotally people are like, what? Who uses Snapchat? No one's using Snapchat anymore. It feels like they're kind of a under the radar growth surge right now. I mean, that's that's that seems to happen with social networks. People people were saying nobody uses Facebook yet they have uh, you know <laughs> over two billion users. So obviously somebody's using Facebook. I think the thing with Snapchat is um, them trying to make the focus on the camera to make themselves a little bit different. I mean, obviously other social apps incorporate cameras as well, but. Their their whole focus is they they're trying to be very visual and and make it more about the camera than about sharing text and things of that sort. And I mean, I just I people will always say, "Oh, I'm not on that," yet they're on that. And uh, you know, like I said, the same thing happened with Facebook. You all you hear are people talking about how how nobody's on Facebook now and they're not on Facebook anymore. Yet they have the most users of anybody. And, uh, I, I think, I mean, I don't think Snapchat is blowing smoke when they say they're growing. I think, I still think that, uh, people are on it. You know, Tic Tac might've carved out a little bit of a niche, but it's, it's a different animal. And I think, I think Snapchat's doing fine. I'm not a big user myself, but that doesn't mean it's not a solid platform. I mean, they do have, in my opinion, my humble opinion, they do have the best, filters um there was like one the other day where it felt like it looked like there was something on your shoulder so they're trying different ways to feel like you know you're not so socially distant and um david there was one where they were trying to use the ar filter to turn your living room into some kind of showroom right that was for uh that came out a while ago that was for lego Lego actually opened a store. I want to say it was in London. They opened a store to sell their Lego wear clothing line where there were actually no clothes in the store. People just went in, used Snapchat, used their uh, AR lenses and pointed them at where the clothes would be and saw what they would look like and purchased them through the app. And you didn't have to be in the store to do that. I just thought it was wild that they actually opened a physical storefront to do this as well. But like you said, you could do this from your living room as well. And uh, it was, uh, you know, an interesting way to sell clothes without people having, without people seeing the actual clothes. I I have a question for each of you um, about how this, how the quarantine and the, and the pandemic have affected your, your own content output. You know, we talked about justice project with etymology on, on TikTok, but I'm I'm just curious, like in terms of what you push out to Twitter, to Instagram, how has it changed the nature of your content? What's interesting to me is I got several notes from people thanking me for my vulnerability and transparency and, and you know and and it it's it wasn't intentional. You know, it's not like I said about a few weeks ago to start being more vulnerable on the internet. 
I think I just, I think I've just been maybe a little less filtered and it's not like angry unfiltered, just more of me. I'm, I'm spending less time thinking, should I post this? Does this look good enough? Is it okay that I'm, I'm like posting this video playing guitar in my pajamas, which I would not have done a year ago for multiple reasons. And then now I'm like, man, I don't care. Here's video of me in my pajamas playing guitar. For my own part, I think it's a rare cultural moment when we're all enduring the same problem or facing the same challenge together. So I think, you know, it's it's a rare moment where we can all be sort of candid and relatable and understand that we're all going to be in our PJs on work chat mm -hmm. and that, uh, you know, we're all going to be in a more informal normal, so to speak. What about you, David? Yeah, I've been joking a lot about the new normal and the, the uh, technical difficulties that people have getting on video calls. Uh, been talking to a lot of friends who are parents about the craziness of homeschooling. And uh, I used, I always forget which nursery rhyme it's from, but someone asked how Jack, my recent eight-year-old, is doing with it. And I said, when he's good, he's very, very good. When he's bad, he's horrid. The last two days, horrid. But, uh, you know, but everyone's facing the same thing. And um, I used to always worry so much when I did calls from home about, background noise and I still try to keep it as quiet as possible and as professional as possible but I think everyone understands that if you hear a child yelling or a dog barking it doesn't mean that I'm not doing my job it means we're home <laughs> but uh, a lot a lot of just um, going back and forth with parents some of them I don't know personally I just know through Twitter and and friends of friends and just going through our experiences and what we're doing and, and mostly keeping it humorous. I mean, you can't, if you're going to start getting upset about every little thing that goes wrong, you're not going to last very long through this. You have to try to keep your head and keep your sense of humor and just take a step back and laugh about it. And that's what we've all been doing, I think. Co, your your content um, has has been very uplifting and and positive and kind of soulful in a way that that not many people I follow are before all this before all this happened. Um, but I'm curious how this has a you know between your your trip to Korea and just everything else you've been dealing with. How do you feel that it's changing your your the way that you put out content? I think I've been more particular about it. Um, you know, sometimes I would try to forced, um, you know, putting up something. And, you know, now it's like, well, does this bring me joy? Can this inspire other people? Um, is this funny? Is this really vulnerable? Um, is this me in my pajamas? Actually, I haven't posted that yet. <laughs> but um, I don't know, it's also kind of lessened the pressure on me a lot to post. Um, so that has been great. And some some days I'm more of a consumer and some days I'm more of a creator. And I think that's, you know, every, anything is totally legit and, and um, okay, as long as we're all just kind of doing our okay. So I, I, don't, I guess I want to kind of ask one last question, you know, we're nearing the end of April, you know, how do you think you or your social media or your content will change? Um, like if you could, you know, look into the crystal ball, two weeks in the future, like, what do you think it'll be like? What do you think we'll be seeing? Let's start with uh, Jess and then go to Griner and Cohen. I suspect that we'll continue to adapt to a world where we have to be a little more distant. I think it'll be um, more common for people to work remotely. Um, and I think that people will continue to create in exciting new ways. Um, but as things, you know, begin to move back to a, a more connected society, I think we'll 
hopefully learn a lot from this about, you know, what it means to be um, together, even though we're apart and what it means to be empathetic. Yeah, totally. Uh, Brenner? Yeah, you know, I keep thinking about the how hard times and this this is I think that the thing I try to be most careful about, I've been a lot less careful with my social output. The thing I do try to be careful about is is just recognizing that my experience, I'm, I'm very lucky compared to many, many, many people right now. You know, I, I'm employed um, and I my children are safe. My family is safe. My wife and I don't have to leave the house to work. Um, you know, we have so many blessings and I still complain. I mean, we're human. People complain. But I so part of it is that I I've been reluctant to romanticize. You know, there was a headline going around the other day about like romanticizing quarantine is a privilege. Uh, and and that's very true. You know, right. Like for those of us who are like, oh, it's fun. I'm spending more time with my kids. There's neat stuff. I'm playing more guitar. Uh, but at the same time, there are people who are really going through such hardship. Uh, and so I guess what, what I was trying to say, I just want to give that preface, is that I am much more appreciative of certain people that I've I've been taking for granted for many years. Uh, my mail delivery people, my grocery store, the grocery store employees, just like everybody, everybody who doesn't really have the option to just stay home and be on Zoom calls all day. Uh and I've enjoyed seeing people kind of show more love for them. I hope that that continues as we start to phase back into normal life whenever that happens. I hope people are just more respectful and appreciative of, of you know, all these people in general. I think the other thing is that you're going to see in terms of content, I think you're going to see people just really celebrating those moments of returning to normalcy and those little pleasures. I've, I've seen a lot of people having that conversation about what's the first thing you're going to do when you're out of quarantine. And of course, it's not like it's not like uh, quarantine lifts one day at f- at two p.m. <laughs> everyone rushes out the door. That's not the way it's going to work. But I do think that everyone's going to kind of have that one simple joy. You know, that place that you love to get coffee from, that place you go for baked goods, where the friend that you have been dying to see and to hug. You know, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that content whenever this stuff starts to phase out, which is going to be different times in different places around the world. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. I really, it sounds like kind of cheesy, but I just really look forward to seeing what people had had taken for granted before all this that now they're just like, yeah, I'm just so glad to be, to have this again. Yeah. Yeah. And David Cohen, do you think as, you know, one day we return to quote unquote normal, we'll become more social and like less on social media? Maybe. I think the one thing that I'm really kind of not looking forward to is I have a feeling that even if this ends up getting resolved on the quicker side as opposed to the longer side, I think that a lot of businesses that we all enjoy are not going to make it. And it's going to be very sad seeing the social posts from the businesses and and the uh, customers who love the businesses and I mean, it's happened to some big businesses already. I, I really enjoyed the XFL and I was sad to see it go. And I mean, on a smaller scale, like like Dave Griner was saying, like your your local coffee shops and things along that, those lines. I think what we're going to see, you were asking about next couple of weeks. Hopefully, it seems from what I've been reading that the uh, the curve is starting to flatten out. And I think you're going to see a lot of antsiness about, okay, it's starting to improve. When do we get to do stuff again? And um, obviously, I hope everybody 
listens to the <laughs> listens to the Dr. Fauci's and the smart people and doesn't rush things and doesn't put us in a situation where we're doing this all over again. But I think that once things start improving, there's going to be a lot of that antsiness, like the, the impatience, when, 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 and uh, we'll see how people deal with that. I think personally also when it comes to posting, I learned during Hurricane Sandy about when to tread lightly because we didn't have power for about 12 days and it wasn't communicated that well by our power company. And I was constantly complaining about it on Facebook. And one of my friends who lost their house kind of clapped back about it. And I'm like, you know, that's actually a very good point. You are right. I am wrong. I am sorry. So we were actually supposed to be on an airplane today to Florida to leave on a Disney cruise tomorrow for our 10th anniversary and my son's eighth birthday. And obviously that's not happening. And I thought about writing about it and I said, you know, there's people losing their jobs. There's people with sick relatives. There's people who lost relatives and couldn't say goodbye. And even though this is, you know, it's tough to lose out on a vacation you've been looking forward to for a couple of years, I'm not going there. So I think a lot of people probably are having second thoughts about what they would normally post. And uh, we'll see. I learned from Sandy and uh, I'm keeping smart about it. Well, we are out of time for this week, um, but I did want to uh, definitely thank both of you. David Cohen runs our Social Pro Daily blog, uh, which you can Google, easy to find. And just, man, what a fantastic site that, that is. David has a long history of uh, covering the you know each of these platforms. And so if you're not already reading Social Pro Daily, definitely do. Uh, David, thanks so much for making time for us today. Thank you. This was fun. Uh, Jess Ferris is our audience editor at Adweek and uh, runs our social channels. But also, you did not properly plug your book. What is your book called and where can we find it? It is called Once Upon a Word, an Etymology Dictionary for Kids. And it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and IndieBound. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm not saying that because you're afraid. We weren't even really friends when I bought it. <laughs> and and I still loved it. Uh, it is wonderful. My my kids love it, and adults love it. I've seen a lot of people I recommended it to have been saying how much how fun they've. And uh, are you okay sharing where your TikTok is? What your like what your TikTok handle is? Absolutely, it's Jess Zafaris. That's J J E S S Z A F A R R I S. If I can spell my own name. Great. Well, thank you so much for making time for us, Jess. All right. Thank you, Co. It is always a pleasure. You have been such a beacon of light and hope through this whole period and i know we're not out of it yet but uh i just hope you hope you know how much we all appreciate you oh you're far too kind and i appreciate you and your pajamas <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm wearing i'm wearing like slacks like a sucker today i don't know what's wrong with me uh well we are as i mentioned we're out of time but uh really big thanks to everybody our theme music is by home this week's episode was produced by co m and edited by lane McGibney. Uh, if you have not, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, those reviews are especially important to us now because uh, we we would love for new listeners to discover the show. And uh, you can always drop us a note at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. I'm David Griner for Adweek, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone. 
from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.